Welcome to Unaborted with Seth Gruber. Thank you guys for tuning in today. Uh, recently, we did an episode called Abortion is Idolatry and Abortion is Genocide. And I talked about the historical comparisons between abortion and historically recognized forms of genocide. But I also talked about the history, a little bit of child sacrifice and abortion's parallels with human and child sacrifice. And we talked about some of the individuals who have defended that, uh, pagan writers who have admitted that abortion is sacred, that it's the sacrifice of children to pagan deities. And there's the history of child sacrifice in the Old Testament, where the Israelites were sacrificing their children to the Canaanite god Moloch or Baal uh, in return for a blessing. And I think these are historical lessons that we have forgotten in America and in the church. And the parallels with abortion are striking and they're chilling. And I want to dive more into that. We're going to start diving into more of those ideas on this show because we want to wake up the church to end the abortion of the lambs. And if pastors are shepherds and shepherds are supposed to protect the flock, then I think there's a lot that our shepherds and our churches in America today can learn from the history of human and child sacrifice and how God feels about human sacrifice. I think you'll find some of the most colorful language in scripture when God rails against his people's complicity in child sacrifice. And so today I wanted to bring on my friend, uh, William J. Federer, Bill Federer, a American historian, a brother, a born again believer who has been such a gift to the body of Christ. And if you wanna watch a recent message of his, go to Real Life with Jack Hibbs, um, Calvary Chapel Chino Hills, his YouTube channel, and watch Bill's message on the history of socialism from Plato to the present that he gave just a couple weeks after I preached there in October or November of 2020. And I just wanted to bring him on today and bless you guys with his knowledge. Um, you know, it's been said that those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And I think uh, you will benefit from what um, Bill Federer has to teach us today. Uh, Bill is a nationally renowned speaker, best-selling author, and president of AmeriSearch, a publishing company dedicated to researching America's noble heritage. He's written dozens and dozens of books. I encourage you to subscribe to his American Minute uh, YouTube channel and his American Minute emails, where he tells the stories of the people who founded this country and built this country and uh, just teaches us how um, we are doomed to repeat history's mistakes if we don't learn our history. So we're going to dive into all of these types of ideas today, um, and I think it will bless you. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back with our conversation. Bill, welcome to the show today. Thank you for being with us. Seth, so great to be with you. Yeah, uh, always love um, everything you have to provide uh, for us. For the listeners of this show who um, aren't aware of you, uh, you're frequently on the Vintage McCoy fireside chat here with uh, my pastor, Rob McCoy, at um, Godspeak Calvary Chapel. And you've just been such a gift to the body of Christ here and to the body of Christ across the country. And we just so value your, your insights. And especially as a, as a millennial myself, uh, seeing how ignorant, maybe is the most polite term to use, uh, members of my generation and Gen Z are on not just American history, but world history. Um, I think we just need to put you in front of as many people as possible. So thank you for your time. Um, you know, it's for, it's this axiom we're very familiar with, I think it's attributed to the Spanish philosopher George uh, Santayana is credited with this aphorism saying that those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Uh, Winston Churchill sort of put his own spin on it and said that those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. 
And I talk a lot about the history of dehumanization as it pertains to the issue of abortion. And so, so Bill, as a historian, as a brother, as a Christian, just give us your thoughts. Give us a historian's overview um, of abortion, of Roe versus Wade, of the lessons that we've forgotten from our history. Well, first of all, Seth, it's an honor to be on with you, and you're brilliant, articulate, and you are uh, one of the new leaders that I am so thrilled the Lord is raising up uh, in America to be a voice for the defenseless and the unborn. So thank you for stepping out there. And um, now, uh, one of the things, uh, sacrifice, um, the original concept of sacrifice was this other life dies instead of me. Hmm. It's, it's a substitute. Now, right. in the scriptures, uh, God always has a lamb be the substitute, and it was foreshadowing Jesus, the lamb of God. Hmm. So in the Old Testament, they had faith in the lamb to come. We have faith in the lamb that came, but salvation is through the lamb, right, through the hmm. sacrifice. But just like everything uh, we have cults today that take scripture and twist it, well, the original right. uh, gospel was really simple, right? It was um, uh, that, the, you know, Cain offered his works, and we know it's works because God told Adam, the ground is cursed for your sake, and you'll bring forth fruit by the sweat of your brow. And God rejected right. his works, and Abel offered the lamb as the substitute to take the judgment in his place. But just like cults today twist the gospel, the devil back then twisted it to, instead of it being a, a lamb or a sacrifice, it's a human being or it's a baby. Wow. And so that's where we begin to see that this child uh, is, is gonna die in my place. It's, right. it's uh, selfish. Now, uh, that is was the pagan perversion of the uh, the original substitute, uh, to use the term, mm. the gospel story. Wow. That's why it was it was not that totally strange uh, for Abraham to think, okay, God says I got to sacrifice my son. I don't want to do it, but you know mm. he was willing to do it. But in that pagan culture, that's what the pagans did, um, right. and so God said, stop. Uh, I'm going to sacrifice the ram in the bush, not your son. Mm -hmm. But it was Abraham's willingness um, to uh, give what he loved the most, foreshadowing God absolutely giving what he loved the most, his only begotten son. Wow. Uh, so that's that's so the that's pagan powerful. twists the gospel back then, just like they twist stories today. Um, wow. it, when you um, what? And then it, in the Bible it says, then they began to call upon the name of the Lord. And you're like, what's that all about? Well, when you're self-sufficient, you don't need help. You don't call for help. You're trusting in yourself. When you're calling on the name of the Lord, implicit in that is I'm acknowledging that I'm not good enough on my own. Right. I need help. So God yeah. resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Pride is the sin of Satan. And yeah. the Bible says, you know, the guy in the back that's humble and that says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. He's the one that goes away justified. But yeah. as far as it, it's something that is inherent in selfish fallen nature and i tend to think demonic because yeah. you can go in uh, ireland and they have bogs and that's the swampy muddy mucky uh, areas and they would sacrifice 
uh, people and babies by throwing them in the bog and they would sink in this mucky black mud and, oh um, and get preserved like leather. Um, they were doing uh, excavations underneath of the very old, old buildings in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. And they uncovered the original amphitheater that Cortez's men talked about, where they saw thousands of skulls stacked up. And wow. in this, and you can go online and, and look at the news stories. It just came out about five years ago. Wow. But they said they found infant skulls. And so th- these were not prisoners of war, right? Wow. They weren't sacrificed, but they were totally innocent. And, and so this is a, a pervasive pagan concept. Hmm. Uh, in Greece, they have temples, and they would, and these temples would have temple prostitutes. Right. And these prostitutes would get pregnant, and they found uh, as in some of the ruins of these temples, there would be like a hole in the middle of some, you know, cavity type of area and it was packed full of baby corpses so oh these temple prostitutes would get pregnant and have, you know the and so so this is um it's a evil pagan thing now right. it's so it was so pervasive in canaan land um and and interrupt me at any time no but, but there's going. the t- toward the end of judah there is a, a wicked king manasseh and he is the son of Hezekiah, and he reigns for 55 years, and he was wicked, 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 and he was sacrificing children to Moloch. And the prophets come to Manasseh, and the prophets tell him, you are doing the same thing that the people that were here before Israel came in were doing. And because they were doing that, I brought the Israelites in to drive them out, and because you're doing it, I'm going to drive you out. Wow, that's powerful. And uh, you know, Bill, I had never thought about the the way that you phrased that when you talked about the the pagan inversion of man's natural need for the shedding of blood, for the forgiveness of sins, starting all the way in the beginning where he brings a lamb. You know, whereas uh, uh, Cain uh, goes and uh, or uh, Cain tills the land and the soil, um, but Abel brings a lamb. Um, and it's just powerful that, you know, Scripture talks about how without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so there's always been that human need, I guess, recognition of we need a sacrifice. Um, but rather than turning to Christ, who's been sacrificed on our behalf, uh, we we sacrifice our own children. We sacrifice other human beings to, I guess, satiate that need that we have. And that just reminds me of when Scripture says eternity is written on the heart of man, that there is a sort of natural order to things, and, and that comes from our God. Um, you know, you talked about this, this, this pagan inversion of, of sacrifice. It reminds me of this line from Peter Kreft, uh, you know, formerly Protestant turned Catholic philosopher, who says that uh, abortion is the demonic parody of the Eucharist. That's why it uses the same holy words. This is my body, but with the opposite blasphemous meaning. Christ says, this is my body, take and eat broken for you. And the secular culture says, this is my body, my choice, and I will treat it however I want. And this is how I, why I say abortion is, is our attempt to deify ourselves into modern gods. And if sacrificing children is required, 
to treat ourselves as, as gods, then so be it. Um, so th thank you for that insight. Uh, continue with your insights on, on the um, Israelites' complicity with the Canaanite gods and, and dive more into that for us. Unpack that for our listeners. Yeah, and so they would uh, sacrifice the babies for fertility for the soil. Um, and, and again, I uh, wrote a book on St. Patrick and um, uh, in there, there's um, quotes from Thomas Cahill's book, you know, how the Irish saved civilization, but describes the Druids. And it says the Druids would sacrifice infants to the harvest gods. And then they would sacrifice prisoners of war to the war gods. And, and um, but the ancient uh, Canaanites, they would think, well, if I uh, sacrifice uh, a, a baby, then I'll have a good harvest the next year. There's uh, kings when they're, uh, city w was being uh, captured. Uh, they would, uh, in, in order to get the, the army that is attacking them to stop attacking them, uh, the Bible has a couple of these stories where the, the king brought his own son up onto the wall and the king killed his own son. And uh, the attacking army was like, so repulsed that they just left, you know. But wow. it, it is a replacement for eternal life. So if you do not believe in eternal life, this life is all there is. And whatever you can do to lengthen this life, and if your organs are dying, well, you want to uh, have a transplant. Well, where do you get the transplant from? Well, the, the little babies, little children, they got uh, organs, or if you're going to do research. Wow. Uh, and so what we're seeing, I just read an article today with Judicial Watch suing the government, the U.S. federal government, and there's all these documents showing that the U.S. government buys baby parts and they have to be fresh. Yep. Sometime within say. minutes of the child dying, which basically means they're delivering perfectly healthy live babies yep. and cutting them up. If this yep. isn't any different than Moloch, wow. if, if this is the exact same and you're sacrificing them, why? Well, we want to produce vaccines that can help extend people's lives. Okay, you're killing their life wow. so that you can extend your life. Wow. It's a, it's selfish. And, That's um, powerful. Just so for, for you listeners, so you're aware of what Bill just mentioned, and, and Bill, I just saw this this morning um, as I was putting some thoughts together um, for our time together, and, and really, really, really disturbed me. Um, really sick. And, 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 you know, we're not surprised about this. We understand that Planned Parenthood would sell dead baby body parts on the black market to interested third parties, breaking federal law doing so, and our vice president um, tried to jail undercover pro-life journalists for exposing that. Um, but this was another level. This is the FDA, apparently, for, for any, anywhere from the early 2000s through 2012, um, selling or purchasing babies who could be born and survive outside the womb. And the, the article you're mentoring at The Federalist actually said that because digoxin, which you inject into the baby to cause cardiac arrest, to kill them before you deliver them, sometimes what that does is it spoils the tissue. And so then it's not, the baby cannot be used effectively for research and experimentation. So if you're not performing a third trimester abortion with digoxin, it's very likely that what they're doing, Bill, is illegal partial birth abortions. Uh, which used to be legal, they're now illegal, where you deliver a baby halfway and then chop its head off, essentially, suction the brains out so you can deliver it. And so we, we, we are killing, the, our government is purchasing 
third trimester babies who could be born outside the womb and survive in order to improve quality of life for the born. <laughs> Repeating these, these, same, these same mistakes. And, and you know, it, it uh, bothers me to no end to see news articles where you would have a Republican Congress led by, let's say, Paul Ryan, and he pushed through budgets that included $500 million for Planned Parenthood. And then it, that budget gets approved by the Senate, led by Mitch McConnell, and, uh, and then past presidents, right? Um, yeah. That here, this, it's something about guilt. If you don't know something's happening, you cannot be, a just God cannot hold you accountable for, for something you have, you have nothing, you don't know about. But if you know about it and you continue to allow it, in law, you are called an accomplice mm -hmm. and you share in the guilt. And so uh, that's something that I, I have been, you know, studying and meditating on is, is the just side of God. Mm. And, uh, you know, for those not familiar, God's a God of order and everything he creates is ordered. There's laws of nature, laws of physics, laws of planetary motion, laws of gravity, laws of optics. He is a God of laws and he has laws for human behavior. We just have the choice as to whether or not to follow those laws, but he has those laws. Right. And the idea of being a just God means that he has to judge when those laws are broken. Otherwise, he is an unjust wow. God. So it's not just, oh, God will overlook the sin. No, if he overlooks the sin, in law, silence is giving consent. Wow. And so remember the wedding ceremonies and the pastor says, anybody against this wedding, speak now or forever hold your peace. If you're sitting there quiet, holding your peace, your silence is giving consent wow to the wedding. It, wow. If there's abortions going on and you're silent, your silence is getting consent. But from God's point of view, if God does not judge those that are killing innocent children, then God's an unjust God. Hmm. His silence is giving consent. And so his very nature drives him to have to judge. Now, as far as the gospel right. goes, we've sinned and God has to judge us, but out of his love, he provided the lamb. Jesus, yeah. that Jesus yeah. became the lamb, took the judgment for all of our sins. But there's a great quote from Patrick Henry, uh, or I'm sorry, George Mason. He was one of the founding fathers. He, when George Washington left the Continental Congress to become the general leading the Continental Army, George mm -hmm. Mason took George Washington's place in the Continental Congress. So yeah. George Mason is uh, is a well-known name for those that have studied founding fathers. And George Mason said, as nations cannot be rewarded or punished in the next world, they must be in this. By an inevitable chain of consequences and events, God judges national sins with national calamities. Hmm. And Lincoln said wow. the same. Uh, chiseled in stone on the Lincoln Memorial, if you're looking at the statue of Lincoln sitting in his chair, and you look up to the right, the entire wall is his second inaugural address. And it says that um, if every drop of blood drawn by the bondsman's whip is replayed, repaid by a drop of blood drawn by the sword, let it be said the judgments of the Lord are altogether true and righteous. What did, hmm. what did Lincoln just do? He connected a sin with a judgment, right? Oh. That, that, uh, that there's the sin of slavery and there's the judgment of the war. But right. here we are. Is there anybody that's going to connect sin with judgment? 
Hmm. And, um, you know, Deuteronomy wow. 28 talks about uh, God's blessings and God's judgments. That's right. And it says, if a nation does not hearken to the Lord, uh, lots of things will happen that are not good. The diseases of Egypt will wow. come upon you. Uh, you know, that the enemy will come into your country and will rise up above you and they will be the head and you will be the tail. That's and right. you will wow. be a debtor. Um, yeah. and, and, so, and so much of what God says about that is specifically in relation to child sacrifice. I mean, some of God's most colorful language is in response to his people's silence, allowing what you said complicity on human sacrifice. I mean, everything, you, there's so much to unpack with what you just said, Bill. Thank you for everything you just said. I love that Mason quote, national sins are judged by national calamities. And, you know, that reminds me of Psalm 106. And I want to just pull from here for a portion of it, and then I want to hear your thoughts. In Psalm 106, it says that the, the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people because, quote, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. And we understand that any quote-unquote, small-g pagan god is just Satan masquerading as an idol. They poured out the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed. The land was desecrated with blood. So, quote, God gave them into the hand of the nations so that those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them and they were brought into subjection under their power. And I, I, was, I was thinking about that in relation to what you said. These national sins, this child sacrifice of abortion is being judged and will continue to be judged by national calamities. And God's people have stood by and done little to nothing to stop the state-sanctioned slaughter of children to pagan idols. Similarly, America's soil and sewers are polluted with the blood of innocence. So far from blessing the church in America, God seems to be giving us over to be ruled by those who hate us. And I think that the alleged Equality Act bill is proof enough of this. It would label positions like there are two genders um, and children fare best when raised with a mother and father and obstetricians shouldn't be forced to perform abortions as bigotry, as the moral equivalent of virulent racists. And I was talking about this with Jack Hibbs recently that God is not going to bless a people or a land who allow the sacrifice of his babies, of his children. And, and so if we want to avoid the national calamities that our national sins deserve, then we need to give God a reason to show this country mercy. Um, and that starts with eradicating child sacrifice. Anyways, so much to unpack there with what you said. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, well, it is, um, you know, Jesus was in Mary's womb, his mother Mary's womb, from the moment of conception, right? That's right. The Holy Spirit came upon her and she conceived. Life begins at conception. And so many of God's answers came through conception. So the story of Samson and his wife is out in the field and an angel appears and tells her she's going to have a, a baby that's going to be the deliverer. And, and then, you know, the dad comes and they, you know, offer some uh, sacrifice. And the angel says, well, you're not offered to God, not to me. And, and then the angel, you know, ascends in the flame and so forth. But what was the answer? It says that the the you know, children of Israel were crying out for deliverer. And so how did the deliverer come? It came with the wife conceiving and then having a baby. I think God sends answers through children, but when the babies are aborted, then you're, you're cutting off God's answers. Uh, and, but, but it is, it is serious. So when we understand 
God's nature and, and that he is just and that requires him to judge every sin. Uh, he's loving in that he provided his, his only son, Jesus, to be the lamb to take the judgment for our sin. Um, I tell people I was out in Kansas preaching one time and the pastor said, yeah, you can see forever out here, but there's nothing to see. Sure enough, you can stand there and, they, and look 360 and you can see the horizon, but it's all cornfield, right? Sure. And, uh, and the, worst, the worst thing that can happen is a hailstorm. And you can stand in the field and get hailed upon, or you can run in the barn. And the hail comes and you can hear it hitting the, the tin roof of the barn. Ting, 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 ting. And, uh, and so Jesus is our barn. We are hmm. in Christ. The judgment comes, but it hits him hmm. instead of us. But for those that are not in Christ, God has to judge them. Why? Because if God does not judge them, his silence is giving consent to the sin. And if God gives consent to sin, he's no longer a just God. He denies himself. He denies his very nature. And so, so judgment is coming. Uh, now, those of us that are in Christ, he, he took the judgment for us. But, but a nation, uh, you know, I was thinking of this, that there's uh, the pull of a tide. And it's, it's very subtle when the tide changes but when it changes, there's nobody that can stop it. It's coming. And when right. uh, there's an old saying that the mills of God grind slowly, but ever so finely. In other mm. words, God's really, really, really patient. But when he decides to judge, it's going to be complete. And, wow. um, and, and I see something happening on a global level that, that's never happened before. We're beginning to see when the United States... Uh, uses its foreign policy to pressure other countries uh, to embrace abortion, to embrace right. anti-biblical values. And they're doing it with our tax money. And we're not yeah. stopping it. Uh, we're not at least uh, speaking out against it. Our yeah. silence is complicit, and we are in agreement with that. And, wow. and therefore, we're, we're, you know, when Terry Schiavo was starved to death, it, it took a That's month, right. over a month, and it was yeah. front page news. And if she would have died, you know, the husband decides to starve her to death in a, in a nursing home, nobody would have known about it. And we would have said, oh, that's sad. But yeah. the fact that it was front page news for over a month and right. nobody stopped it. That's Jeb right. Bush, the governor of Florida, didn't stop it. Nobody stopped it. And, and she died. I thought, well, something happened wow. that since everyone in the country knew it and didn't mm -hmm. stop it, then the guilt wow. of that murder is now upon us. When, when Governor Bobby Jindal showed pictures of the uh, selling of baby body parts, uh, and he actually had projectors projecting it on to the Louisiana State Capitol from the outside. Wow. You could drive wow. by and you could see pictures of, of those videos, I think the ones that David Delighton had gotten, right. uh, of, of the, the selling of baby body parts. Everybody in the country knew this, and yet we still voted to fund Planned Parenthood. Uh, we are we are in a place wow. where what's a just God supposed to do? Yeah. You know, they, they actually um, they, they try to guilt trip us into being more Christian than Christ. They say, if you're really Christian, you'll tolerate this stuff. <laughs> you know, Jesus, you'll tolerate them teaching stuff that there's no more male and female and so forth. Well, Jesus himself said in the beginning, God made them male and female. So you're saying, if I'm really Christian, I will tolerate them teaching something that Jesus would never teach. That's right. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, if you 
cause one of these little ones that believes in me to stumble better than a millstone we put around your neck. Right. And so Jesus is going to, we're, we're the king in, in America, the people are the king. And so right. if something's going on wrong, God will hold us accountable. That's right. With great power comes great responsibility to quote Spider-Man's uncle <laughs> or to quote <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth to whom much is given, much is required. And, and I think what you're saying, I mean, obviously this bears out biblically. You know, I, I was, I was thinking about um, in the Pentateuch, right? Moses warns the Israelites who will soon enter the land of Canaan um, where they will be exposed to the cult of Moloch, not to sacrifice any of their children to that God. And the, the Lord says to Moses, the state of the Israelites, any Israelite or any alien living in Israel who gives any of his children to Moloch must be put to death. The people of the community are to stone him. I will set my face against that man and I will cut him off from his people for giving his children to Moloch. He has defiled my sanctuary and profaned my holy name. And then he says, if the people of the community, Bill, close their eyes when that man gives one of his children to Moloch and if they fail to put him to death, I will set my face against that man and his family, and will cut him off from the people, both him and all who follow him in prostituting themselves to Moloch. So if you, if you know about this and you just close your eyes, right, like the monkey, see no evil, I don't know about this, you're going to be judged. This is echoed in Proverbs 24, 11 through 12, when it says, hold back those staggering towards slaughter. And if you say, uh, we did not know about this, it says, does not he who made your life know it? Does not he who made your heart know it? And will he not judge man according to what he has done? Uh, and then Dietrich Bonhoeffer kind of puts his own spin on this when he says, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. God will not hold us guiltless. And I think that's a message that the American church and her shepherds uh, are in sore need of right now. Yeah, I think that is, uh, those scriptures you just mentioned are some of the most sobering scriptures uh, there are uh, because it goes right to the heart that uh, God you, you cannot say oh I didn't know about it and he knows that you knew you That's cannot right. fool him uh, and the idea that um, in ancient Israel they had no police hmm. it was every citizen was taught the law That's right. every citizen participated in enforcing the law it was like everybody was deputized. And so it says if, <laughs> if, if your neighbor is secretly going out and worshiping some pagan god and how they would usually worship it was with sexual immorality. Uh, right. They would talk about the groves where they would go out or the mountaintops where they would go up and they would party. They would have like a, a big orgy and then they would have uh, also the killing of the innocent babies. And it is interesting how sexual promiscuity is followed by the killing of innocent children. Wow. Right? So, you wow. know, a guy fools around with a girl and he's just thinking of sex, but the next thing that happens, she gets pregnant. What's the, the person, does? oh, just kill the baby. And so yeah. now, so sexual immorality is closely tied to murder. To, yeah. and, and, um, and they knew that in ancient Israel. That's right. And so if, if your neighbor was... Uh, sneaking out and doing sexual immorality or, or doing child sacrifice, you uh, can't, you're the police. You're the one that has to participate in enforcing it. America's founders did not set up a monarchy with a king. We set up a republic where the people are the king. And so it's wow. each one of us's job to enforce the law. Um, 
so this is a, a responsibility that we cannot shirk. And yeah. uh, it, it's serious. Um, and I think that a lot of the judgments that we're seeing today are a result of us and previous generations not responding and standing up for righteousness. And whether we turn it around or not, the Lord wants to see us put some action into it. That's you know, I tell people, uh, you know, God certainly knew what was in Abraham's heart, but he wanted to see actions. He wanted to see That's Abraham right. be willing to take his son to the top wow. of Mount Moriah and be willing to kill him. It's like a guy watching TV and you say, um, hey, when was the when was the last time you told your wife you love her? Uh, I can't remember, but she knows my heart. It's like, okay, uh, when, was, when was the last time you did anything to show your wife you love her? Uh, right. I can't remember, but she knows my heart. It's like, dude, we need to have a little talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, God knows my heart. It's like, yeah, he right, does right. know your heart, and he wants to hear some words out right. of your mouth, wow. and he wants to see wow. some actions. And that so that's where we're me, at. That reminds me, Bill, of um, Eberhard Bethke describing the situation that Dietrich Bonhoeffer and the Confessing Church found themselves in. And he, they remember, they called themselves a confessing church, meaning they believed they were confessing real Christianity, to quote William Wilberforce, real Christianity. And yet he still said that <clears throat> the confessing church found themselves in the situation where they were, um, they were resisting by way of confession, but they were not confessing by way of resistance. Meaning that the only way that their resistance to the culture of death, to the Holocaust of the Jews, was evidencing itself was through confession. And he doesn't mean it in the Catholic sense. He means proclamation, right? Uh, I'm against the Holocaust, right? Or, uh, Bill, I'm personally pro-life. I would not get an abortion. Right, but what are you doing to resist? What are you doing to end the genocide of baby image bearers? Oh, I, I just say I'm pro-life. Right. And Eberhard Bethke ends up saying in this statement, he says that we were reaching this dividing line. And if we did not cross this border between confession and resistance, our confession was going to be no better than cooperation with the criminals. And I think that communicates exactly what you're saying. As long as we just say, oh, God knows our hearts. He knows I'm pro-life. And I tell my friends occasionally that I'm pro-life. But if you're not resisting the culture of death, which results in the slaughter of innocent image bearers, then you will be held responsible because you can no longer say, I did not know. You know, I uh, put together a book uh, years ago. I'll hold it up here. It's called uh, Three Secular Reasons Why America Should Be Under God. And uh, hmm. the concept is the value of human life. And so I ask one question, do you like having rights the government cannot take away? Yeah. Well, then those rights need to come to you from a power higher than the government. And that's why the founder said the rights come from the creator. That's right. And uh, it was John F. Kennedy who said the rights of man come not from the generosity of the state, but from the hand of God. Well, mm -hmm. if there is no God, or there's a different kind of God um, that doesn't believe uh, in the value of human life, right. uh, then then you don't have have any rights. And uh, there's a uh, the next question I ask in the book, as I said, do you, do you like being equal? Yeah, everybody likes being. Where did equality come from? It didn't come from Islam, where women are not equal to men. Even Muhammad said that it takes two women to testify in court against one man because a woman's mind is deficient. <clears throat> in Islam, wow. a man can have you know, four wives, a husband can't have, I mean, a woman can't have four husbands. I don't That's know right. which woman would want four husbands, but uh, there's no equality there. Um, and then infidels are not equal to believing Muslims. 
Uh, in India, they have a caste system, four major castes, but the highest is called the Brahmin, and they're near divinity, and the lowest are the untouchables, the Dalits, and they have right. to clean the, the sewers, and, and there's no equality that came out of that system. In communism, in atheistic countries, your worth is dependent on your utility, your usefulness yep. to the state, to the government. If, right. you're, if you're of worth, great, we'll let you live, but if you're going to be a drain, we're getting rid of you. Uh, in right. the Judeo-Christian worldview, you're worth something, not because you're a Muslim male, not because you're a Brahmin in the highest caste, and not because you're useful to the state. You're, you're worth something because you're made in the image of God. Amen. And, and when were you made in the image of God? At the moment of conception. That's right. The moment you have, wow. uh, they, they have filmed uh, the, the moment of conception. And as soon as the sperm breaks through the egg wall, there is a flash of light, believe it wow. or not. There's a flash of light, and, and the the 23 chromosomes from the mom and 23 chromosomes from the dad come together. Mm -hmm. And at that very moment, there is a new DNA, and immediately there wow. is f feverish activity with this growing and then splitting into two cells, and then four wow. cells, and then and and there is life there, and it is not the mother's life. It, it is a completely separate life inside of the mother's body. I know that's a Difficult concept for people to grasp, but it is sort of is the way that every single human has come into existence, and it's sort of the way that every single animal on, on the history of creation has come into existence. Right. All right, the the, the baby uh, is in the mother's womb, and of course, with birds, it's a, an egg or some or amphibious or reptile that's outside. But nevertheless, it is the the mother that gives birth, that has the egg, and and that out of it comes a brand new life. And so the, uh, uh, the idea that we have to get back to is that, that God values life and that uh, every world system that is anti-biblical devalues human life. Your life, there's a quote from, uh, I was reading it, uh, 1933, uh, the New York Times was reporting on what was going on in Germany and how they wow. had recently authorized physicians to end the life of incurable patients in the interest of true humanity. But then there was wow. this little caveat. It says, uh, but don't worry, no life still valuable to the state will be wantonly destroyed. Okay, as wow. long as the state thinks your your life is useful to it, then, then you don't go. That's but right. what happens is if there's no God, and if you're or a, then your life is only of worth if if the government thinks so. And and unfortunately, yeah. our wow. government has rejected God. That's powerfully put, Bill. Um, yeah, because if, if our government is going to ignore and deny the natural right to life to one class of human beings, why not another class of human beings? And who gets to decide which functions are necessary to meet the state's definition of personhood. This reminds me of something Lincoln once said, Bill, um, speaking about the arguments for slavery. And he said, what are these arguments? These are the arguments that kings have made for enslaving the people in all ages of the land. Um, whether it come from the mouth of a king as an excuse for enslaving the people of his country, or from the mouth of the men of one race as a reason to enslave the men of another race, it is all the same old serpent. And I hold that if that course of argumentation that is made to convince the public that we should not care about this is granted, it does not stop with the Negro. 
And then he says, I should like to know if taking this old Declaration of Independence, which declares that all men are equal upon principle, and making exceptions to it, where will it stop? If one man says it does not mean a Negro, why not another say it does not mean some other man? And so to paraphrase Lincoln on the issue of abortion, if we say that the unborn is not a person and we create arbitrary criteria for personhood, why not another say it's conservatives, pro-lifers, Christians who are not persons because they haven't met the state's definition of value. They're not of utility uh, to the leftist utopia that we're trying to create. In fact, you're preventing us from reaching our progressive utopia, therefore you're not a person. And so I, I, love, I love your summary of your book there and, and I encourage people to go read it. Well, you know, uh, I also have done a little research on what was going on in Germany and the word Nazi means National Socialist Workers' Party. That's right. It's like, well, I thought they were fascist. No, their name is National Socialist Workers' Party. They were socialists, and they had, uh, what, uh, nationalized medicine. It was great. Government pays for everybody's health care. And then they had <laughs> their economy crater. And so then they decided to cut useless expenses from the government budget, like keeping wow. alive retarded, insane, epileptic people. I mean, That's right. they don't even remember their name. They're not going to miss being alive. And so they began to send them to the gas chambers. Then they got rid of the convicts, uh, the criminals. I mean, here they've all, they've committed crimes and we're paying for them. To, right. And so they called them uh, useless eaters. And That's right. then they got rid of the uh, street bums, the beggars, the poor, right? They're cleaning up these, these leeches on society. And then they got rid of the elderly in government institutions. I mean, nobody visits them. Nobody remembers them. They've already lived their life. You just let wow. them, you know, we'll give them a nice, dignified, but we'll kill them. And, um, and then they, um, well, they said their Lebens unbertes Leben, which means life right. unworthy of life. That's right. And then they decided, based on, uh, believe it or not, uh, some of the thinkers in America, uh, that there were superior races and inferior races. And even right. Charles Darwin, uh, his application of the theory of evolution to humanity uh, implies that some are more evolved and some are less evolved. Right. And he categorized certain groups in the less evolved category. And so Margaret Sanger, that uh, was the founder of Planned Parenthood, embraced this. But she had a magazine and the magazine published articles from, from Ernst Rudin, who was the father of racial hygiene and you're yep. thinking to yourself racial I, I know what hygiene you're washing your hands but this is racial yeah it's washing the gene pool of inferior races that's right and so they classified jews and gypsies and others as inferior and they began to kill them uh with this twisted mentality wow. and uh so your your argument yeah once and there's a great quote from Abraham, uh, Ronald Reagan, in his Human Life Review article, That's he right. says, Lincoln recognized that we could not survive as a free land when some men decide that others are not fit to be free, but should be abandoned to slavery. Likewise, we cannot survive today when some men decide that others are not fit to live and should be abandoned to abortion. That's right. Wow. Powerfully put. 
Uh, that was a beautiful um, two-minute summary, Bill, of the, the history of dehumanization and eugenics, by the way. That was incredibly succinct, and I'm, I'm sure our, our listeners were blessed by it. Um, I'll close with this because I know we're short on time. I, I appreciate you talking about Leben's Inverten's Leben, life unworthy of life. In fact, I'm working on a, a lecture now to put all these ideas together uh, in hopefully as a, a way as succinct as you can um, um, so quickly. But um, this is the same idea that is employed in the justification of so many abortions, right? And if we can if we can justify killing some unborn children who have certain deficiencies, so therefore their life unworthy of life, then why not any other um, unborn human being um, who is who is defined by their parents or by society as unfit to live because of the social and economic burden that they put on their parents. And Andrew White, he's this um, doctor and uh, a theologian, he wrote this excellent article on the history of child sacrifice. And he says, sometimes the Carthaginians sacrificed defective children in exchange for healthy ones. It is now standard medical practice to do an amniocentesis test at an early stage of pregnancy when congenital abnormalities are suspected. If an impairment is confirmed, the parents are advised to consider terminating the pregnancy. To carry to term and raise a defective child is not expected of the parents since they can exchange the frail one, one they have now for a healthy one in the future. And then in some states, obstetricians who fail to advise their patients of the need for an amniocentesis test can be successfully sued for malpractice on the legal grounds that the delivered infants are wrongful life or life unworthy of life, even though the pro-choicer will admit that those child and those children are fully human, but they are Lebens unvertens Lebens. They're, use, they're useless eaters. They're, they're taking up resources that should be reserved for fit born people who have what I call born privilege. Uh, and this is why Martin Niemöller ended up saying, you know, first they came for the homeless, then they came for these people, then they came for these people, and I didn't speak up for them. And then they came for me and there was no one left to speak up for me. So as long as we allow these moral premises to plant themselves in the law, um, bad fruit is going to grow from those premises. And unless we root it out early, um, I agree with you, I think this American experiments and our natural rights writ large are going to be are going to be over with. Um, Bill, wonderful to have you on. What uh, what one minute uh, closing thoughts would you provide to our listeners who are mainly concerned Christian families, children, and parents um, who who want to be equipped to stand in the gap on behalf of the unborn? Well, thank you, Seth. Uh, I'll, I'll mention my book again. Um, again, it's three secular reasons why America should be under God. And uh, you know, if they were to find one little bacteria on Mars, the newspapers would say, life is found on Mars. But here they have a fully DNA, full baby in a womb, and they're like, oh, it's not life. Uh, it is uh, so hypocritical. Uh, again, we're, we're at, what's a just God supposed to do? If he doesn't judge us, he is giving consent to the sin. And if, if God Almighty gives consent to killing babies, what type of God is he? When Abraham you know, was talking to the Lord. He says, shall not the judge of all the world do justly, right? Mm -hmm. And then in the book of Revelation, it, it says they cry out and say, uh, how long, O Lord, holy and true, will you let our deaths go unavenged? And and so here's God, and he's feel, the same way that if you're watching a, a horrible abuse on television and and you, you cannot reach through the tube and stop it, what's your next response? You just want to turn away. Yeah. I mean, you, you just can't. And here's God. Uh, he sees this, and they're in, inside. We're made in His image, and so He's 
feels this compulsion to to have to stop it. He's been patient with us, um, but I think that there is an end to that patience, especially yeah. if we're not pleading with him for in standing in the gap. Uh, but I do think the last thought is God, whether we turn it around or not, the Lord wants to see us to try. He wants to see That's us right. trying. When they asked John Quincy Adams, uh, he's fighting slavery, um, his nickname, the hellhound of slavery. They asked John Quincy Adams, you know, will you ever turn it around? He goes, duty is ours, results are God's. Wow. And, and if, you know, and if we get through this and solve it, there'll be another injustice. And if we get through that and solve it, there'll be another. The, the idea is that the Lord wants to see us responding as Christ would respond and That's trust right. him with the results. That's right. That's wonderful. Duty is ours. Results are God's. What, what wonderful marching orders from a founding father. Thank you, Bill, for your time. We know you're very busy. Listen, guys, go to American Minute. Check out Bill Federer. Bill, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you, Seth. It's an honor. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Well, thank you guys for joining the show today. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Give the show a rating and review. Let us know what you think. It really helps us reach more people. As long as I can still survive on these uh, digital platforms, we want to reach people to change minds, change hearts, and save lives on this issue, which is our civil rights issue. It's our slavery issue. It's our Holocaust. And duty is ours and results are God's. So if you want to learn more and get equipped to engage, subscribe to this podcast. Leave us, leave us five stars. It really helps. You can all go, also go to sethgruber.com. S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy E-R.com to sign up for my newsletter, to see my speaking schedule if you want to hear me speak live and local, or to book me for an event. In the meantime, check out American Minute. Go subscribe to Bill Fetter's YouTube channel and his daily newsletter emails on the, the founding of this country. They will be beautifully equipping for you at this propitious uh, political moment in our history, a real turning point, and we need you to hit the line of fire and to hit the battle of duty. And we are uh, excited to equip you at this moment. Thank you guys so much for joining the show. And we'll be back next week with a whole lot more. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted.